Hello everyone, come on in, come join us by the fire, settle down, have a drink. Yeah, I don't normally do introductions for this podcast, starting to see why. However, those eagle-eyed among you may have noticed that the title of this episode doesn't follow our normal standards, and that's because we're introducing something new uh, to the Fellowship product. Don't worry, we're not moving away from the campaign or changing characters. This is more of a fireside drink format where you can learn more about the people behind the characters, how we came into the world of D&D, how Aerith was born, the world that our campaign is set in, and how we took the decision basically to take what we were doing at home and create it into a podcast. Normal services shall resume next week and these these fireside episodes will sporadically appear in the future but for now let me welcome you to the fellowship of the tavern Welcome to this very special episode of the Fellowship of the Tabletop. We are usually a live play 5e D&D podcast set in the homebrewed world of Aerith. And today we're having a very special edition episode where we have a bit of a chat about the podcast, our D&D experience and any defining moments for us uh, each in the podcast so far. My name is Mark and I am the Dungeon Master. And also with us for today's very special short episode, we have Will, who plays the human bard, Karstan. Did did Mark cut off anybody else? No. Okay. No. Let me just um, mark cut off. I didn't get the end of his speech there. Sorry. He, he was just introducing you to this uh, pub chat oh, thing that we got brilliant. going on. So uh, that's all right. Fantastic. So. <laughs> fuck yourself. Um, yeah. We are so, doing yeah. this while social distancing. <laughs> exactly. We've also got Ian, who plays the Dragonborn Barbarian Drago. What up, guys? We've got Darren, who plays the human fighter Rogue Robin. Hello there. And we got Callum, who plays the gnome sorcerer, Folly Fizzlebang the Ninth. Hello, hello. So, yeah, we have a Danny lurking in the background as well. Is Danny still here? I no, thought he was off with his. Again. No, he's gone he, again. He said he'd be about 15 or so minutes. Well, if he pops in, he pops in. We'll have a, we'll have a chat with him then. But yeah, just thought it'd be a nice time to have a bit of a chat about. So, we're a good 30, almost 35 episodes in now, pretty much, which is mental to think, given. You know, given where we kind of came with this, really. So um... it's kind of crazy to think that if you listened from episode one till now, it's going to take you over uh, 35 hours to listen. Because some of those are an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and some are part ones and parts two of the same episode. So it's crazy to think that our content out there on the interwebs has spanned uh, beyond a day. Yeah. It's mental. And what's even more mental than that is that none of us would be doing this if it wasn't for a certain will, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, Go back far you're enough. Right. You're right. William, yeah. you introduced us into this whole world of D&D. Because I don't know about you guys, but I certainly came to D&D very late on in, in, in my life, considering I, I, I don't know what our demographic uh, is for D&D, but I certainly feel like I was on the... the the older side of the age bracket when getting into it for the first ever time. Well, I, I, I first encountered D&D when I played like Neverwinter Nights, a really old computer game. That was the first time I ever encountered like the world 
resolve. And then I sort of played the games, and then I encountered a couple of people through LARP that played it. I want to play with you guys, and yeah, here we are. And I remember early on in that for it, weren't it? Oh god, yeah, it was. And I remember where we had that one. You led that one mammoth session. Where there was nine or ten of us, I think. Something crazy. And... How you did that? Looking back now and see how we do it with five or six people, or doing battling the amount of people you had, Christ Almighty. Absolutely, and also the fact that you were the only one that knew anything about it, and you had nine of us asking you questions, and then I was there, you know, new as anything, but I listened to I listened a lot to Drunks and Dragons, which is now Greetings Adventurers, and loved it, and wanted to play nothing more than a, a tiny little rogue character i totally tried and split the party from like the first i think my first the first thing that happened in that was i tried to rob the I, someone who did i try and rob someone i tried to rob someone pick, pick oh, you tried, you tried to rob a guard and it was just like I, i'd literally just started the pre-game ramble right setting the scene i thought okay i'll give you guys some role play opportunities and you tried to fleece the freaking guards and it yeah. was just and so how you manage that, I don't know. But then off the back of that, just I think everyone needs to know that Ian was a little bit late and turned up. You were playing a um, spellcaster. You playing oh, a wizard. So, oh, God, no. Oh, shit. Up, you turned up and we were all there like thinking, oh, maybe yeah, Ian's just a bit late. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> fine. And then he rocks up in a robe with a staff and everything. You went full, full into it. It was fucking full nerd. I put on the full nerd button. I put on my big old cloak. I got my staff out. I put on these kind of baggy uh, trousers, not jeans, they're combats, and then this loose kind of t-shirt. And the idea was I was a, I was a wizard because that's a great first character and not knowing anything is a wizard. <laughs> and um, there's a reason why I'm a barbarian for this. Uh, and yeah, I turned up in full gear like I was going LARPing for the day. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was just so good. I, I was no. I was into it because so, I I I I'm aware or I was aware of D and D enough to know that the dungeon master is a lot of work and a lot of prep work and so I wanted to um, uh, reciprocate your efforts with a live costume to try and get me in character. It was nice. I mean, it, it was brilliant. It was like I'm I'm glad I did it because it was it was amazing how. And it's one of these things I think you see in the Dungeons and Dragons world is the moment someone volunteers to be a DM, players will come out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. So many did. <laughs> and you are right, Mark. Without that precursor, there would be no podcast. So... Yeah, because well, it was off the back of that that um, we had that one one or two sessions of that. And it, it, it obviously was an incredible amount of work for you, Will. And then we wanted to run something a bit smaller. I remember, and I, again, was knee-deep in this uh, podcast and really enjoyed listening to it and thought, oh, go on, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, yeah, that's when we started our first arc, isn't, wasn't it, into, uh, God, what campaign did we run? Portal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm. Tales from the Yawning Portal, and went to the Sunless Citadel and played that early, uh, early encounter, which was, uh, oh. was loads of fun, that. That was good. That's, that, that feels that, like so long ago. Well, that was it the was. birth of Drago, Robin, and Elthir. And yeah, well, um, Shadar. Oh, the Shadar, Shadar, came, Shadar came in a couple of episodes later on. After well, it wasn't it. episodes. It was. It was. There was no episodes because there was no podcast. Oh no, it was sessions back then. It was sessions, we had because yeah. even then it. It, it hadn't been floated as a podcast. We didn't do this to do a podcast. It no. was Mark who sent us all a message saying, "Oh, we, I've really, you know, taken to D and D, and I want to run a campaign. Do you guys fancy it?" And uh, so we, yeah, I think that's an important distinction to make that none of this started as a, as a, ooh, 
let's make a podcast. No, it started as a let's play D and D and enjoy that. Mm. Like most, D- I'd like to think like most D and D podcasts, they never they mm. start as a as a session and people have a good chemistry, and that's certainly how ours started. And it was, and it went on for quite a while. And we had we had a great romp through uh, through the Sword Coast as well. Um, I remember you all let me arrest you all and put you in jail, which I kept reading. I kept thinking. I spent a lot of my time when I'm going to throw these things. You're looking online, thinking, "What do other people say? Will it work?" And all I got back was, "No, do not take away their their uh, sense of autonomy, their sense of control. They will fight against it. This, that, and the other." And actually when it came to it the way you set up and your trust in me allowed that to happen and what came off the back of that was a really interesting little um breakout j- jailbreak kind of mini prison break style couple of uh, sessions and the one thing i really remember about that is that shadar sat outside waiting because you said i'd I'd wait outside callum and <laughs> um and wait for the signal and there the, you kept i kept making you roll for perception and you kept missing the signal you're rolling threes no. and eights or whatever it got to the point where it, very much similar to Folly, where he just wouldn't wake up from fire. Mm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Shadow's basically staring out into nothingness while this great big flaming bat or whatever it was was flying around, trying to signal, and Shadow's just ignoring it. But that, before all of that, didn't we go to Shadow's hometown? Oh, yeah, for, for, for wedding, coast, and we had yeah. the whole thing. My sister's boat. wedding, your sister's wedding, and and uh, and to get there, we had a boat with uh, some captain on there, and that was oh, uh, that captain was awesome, and that's when and we then, first met Belprax and Gallanin as well. The the guy when he spoke in third person, and you all thought was evil, and you tied him up, and he actually did nothing wrong, and he just had an. I just gave him an evil voice, and you were like, "Well, he's evil. He must be a dick." And um, treated like a piece of shit, which is hilarious. I'm, I miss, I miss Meepo. Oh, Meepo. Because we adopted, we adopted a kobold. Yeah. From, um, didn't we? And I managed to convince it to follow us around for that's quite a, a while. You know. I think that's a good it, question. Where did we leave that? Is uh, yeah. what were so obviously. Mark, your inspiration for this whole thing came from Drunks and Dragons at the time, wasn't it? So it was Will and then listening to Drunks and Dragons and kind of introducing yourself into this world, you were like, okay, I'd, I'd love to start this campaign. Is that correct mm-hmm. in thinking that? What about- yeah, absolutely. It was, it was that and a bit of, sorry, there was a bit, that and mm. a bit of, I played Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Am. Mm. Um, I played that for quite a few Such years. Such a good game. And I, I come back to it every couple of years, even at my ripe old age of 31. I'll come back to that and just have a go through it. And just listening to Minsk free himself from the jail in the first opening gambit is, I, I, I you know, that whole sequence I know off by heart. So I, at the time, I didn't know that was D&D. I didn't realize because I played it free. I didn't play it by rounds. I just played it free and paused it when I wanted, you know, uh, spellcasters to go off. I, I, also, the, the, the idea for Tali as well came off the back of, I've forgotten her name now, uh, the, the main rogue sorcerer. In it that follows you around the woman i've forgotten her name now anyway um came from her as well and i always picture talia's looking like her to an extent when we talk about her but yeah it was it was Baldur's gate 2 shadows of am sitting with will having a chat about it and playing a little bit and then yeah yeah listening to a podcast keep me busy on the way to work and, and yeah and then you roped us all in um i believe you, did you speak to darren about it first or there was a there's a point of order i wasn't part of the original conversation it was um I think the chat had gone for a little bit and then the invitation was extended to me, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we'd had that initial idea. Um, just to, I wanted to make it really, really small, just be, again, because I, I barely knew D&D. I barely do now, but um, I, I didn't know at all how to run it or anything. Um, 
I wanted to keep it really small to begin with. But what was really nice actually when when it did actually come around, I think uh, who was it? Someone someone was running late. Callum, I think you were you were going to come then couldn't make it, and so we ended up just me and Darren to begin oh, with, yeah. and Will and Will, and so it, it very much the whole thing began with Robin walking into a bar. It and did. That was that was yeah. the very very opening yeah. sequence. Um, so it's actually it, if we look back all the way from there, this whole story is actually uh, Robin is the protagonist. He's the he's the one that's been it. We followed him from walking into the yawning portal all the way through to this new world. Now, really, yeah. I remember. I remember the um, was he like Ross Kemp esque barkeep of the yawning portal? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was. great. Man, I remember as soon as you started doing, because you always have this thing where you're like, I don't know what type of D&D game this is going to be because, and there's no right way to play D&D. I think that's the first thing. Like if you don't feel comfortable doing that sense in RPing and your, and you know, your table prefers to just describe what's happening, more power to you. Absolutely. I prepared like this kind of long arc that played out like, okay, well, he's been working as an archer independent ever since his family syndicate fell to pieces and he'll, he'll eventually return to his roguish ways when the time's right which was like a year and a half later but um i remember thinking at the time cool well, i'm gonna give him a very suave voice and i just really hope that everyone else at the table is up for accents and then i got i walk, remember you said you walked in the tavern and the first thing i was greeted by was um ross kemp and grant mitchell beyond the bar and it yeah. was just like okay i'm in cool right we're we're doing the accent so i'm about to have a drinking contest with grant mitchell exactly um, and i think that's so that's so important as well like from a from a dm perspective as well like you said Dan, you're totally right if it's not for yeah. you it's not for you the game should be inclusive you should be able to do what you like to whatever you feel makes you feel comfortable but i, I wanted to it's, um, it's worth providing context that actually as i count the group there are currently as as there's me. Is it eight of us at the minute? I can't. But there's eight of us at the minute, isn't there? In the podcast, or is it seven? Seven, seven, seven. Good, good counting, though. Yeah, but anyway, there's seven people, and on top of that, there's seven drama degrees uh, yeah. weaved into that. So there's seven drama students who get to revisit. Like, you do make a good point, actually. I hadn't yeah, actually until so, you said that. Yeah. I didn't think that through. We all do have a drama. Uh, seven back drama. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we're any good at it. Yes, speak for yourself I think there, to, Callum. to Callum's point especially for me yeah. and Callum we haven't touched anything yeah. drama related for 13 years <laughs> oh <laughs> my god um, <laughs> or something like that the the crazy amount of years or 13. I think maybe that's why I gravitated to it so much because it's that it scratches that performance itch um because certainly i i hadn't rolled any of the dice as well i really like the dice and that brings oh, yeah. me into it that's, that's there's something aesthetic about that um but there's definitely the performance art for it but as we explained why how mark got into this um and then the i think you roped in darren and will first down what was the inspiration for robin like how did robin come to be part of um this world so Robin has, um, and unfortunately, a lot of this featured in the first arc. So we kind of burnt out a lot of Robin's bits in the first arc. But that's not to say stuff won't come back. But Robin was effectively part of this. I, I, I like to sometimes just go, well, what drawed me to Red Dead Redemption 2? It's the bond of the group, if that makes sense. And then what happens to the characters when that falls apart? I really liked... Joel and Ellie's relationship in The Last of Us. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, 
I'm there's my kind of two key points then. He's part of a group that fought that fell to pieces and the person it was done by betrayal in the group and that character is still out there, which would eventually we would discover is this mysterious dragonborn called Belprax. Um alongside of that, um uh Robin has this one person from his family who he's still in touch with, which was his sister. They all have these code names um of birds because the um Thieves Guild in Skyrim is called the Nightingales. Um, in case you can't tell, I, I quite like my video games as well, which I think is another unifying thing in the party. So I was like, okay, I'm going to draw from these wells. And um, because I want to play an archer, uh, his bird alias is going to be Robin. Obvious reasons. Um, and Robin there, Hood, for all those yeah, who listen yeah. to outside of yeah. England. Although um, Robin Hood's quite cross-country. Yeah, he's pretty big. Um, he is. Um, and then I was like, okay, and that's what puts him in the world of the story. From on that point, it's it's he he got. I think Mark sent me like this parchment letter. So Mark actually wrote us like specific nuanced introductions, and Robbins was like a piece of parchment, like properly tea stained, which was to tell him about a bleed in the uh, in the uh, yawning portal. And from there, he was sent uh, down to um, I can't remember what village we went to after that, and that's where he met Elphir, and the beautiful friendship formed where neither of them ever betrayed each other, which is just lovely. Um, <laughs> um, I forgot how much effort I used to put into this thing. Yeah, you literally. I, I remember <laughs> you literally gave it to me at barbecue at Will's. I think I said you're going to yeah. need that for the first session, and it was a proper like rope bound uh, wax seal. I don't know the wax seal; that might be too far, but it, it was definitely sealed with something, and it was like. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he, he... stained like a tea stained like link for Robin. He's I remember put real effort in now. Mm. I know. What about yeah. Elthir? Where did um where did his inspiration come from? Yeah. So Elthir came from Judas. Because I've played a lot of a lot, or because I've played games that are set in the Sword Coast, and and I have this wealth of of, of knowledge of it all. What I what I basically did, I built a character who'd basically been around a lot and I like wanted I, <laughs> I wanted to play a character who because a lot of elves are very, you know, lighter than light, and obviously a, a lot of people play elves as very good guys. So I wanted to play a character that was had a bit more of a a shad, a sort of darker background so he wasn't from a well-off family in, in, in going into things like he he didn't have the really utopia like um childhood that most people associate with elves you look at a lot of fiction and that kind of stuff and elves have this perfect life whereas i wanted him to not have a perfect life and then I wanted him to be older so i could draw upon the knowledge of me as a player and then yeah he he really evolved sort of organically based on a few key traits i wanted to bring out in him and yeah came from there <laughs> yeah and what about what about uh, uh the final og member drago where did uh where did he come from me and what was your thinking behind dragonborn as well making him dragonborn which is an interesting take as well i believe it was the final week where we were trying to get things written up for our first campaign because you wanted uh, ideally some sort of like backstory to send to you on facebook messenger about characters that we were making and stuff like that and i was cutting it close to the wire i remember that mm -hmm. like everything i do and <laughs> uh i was sitting in the office in my office in my house um 
And it was about half 10 or 11. Uh, it'd be interesting to find that message, actually. And I was like, shit, I need to I need to figure this out. If I'm in, I've got to go in. So I need to write something. I'm not very good at just creating out of thin air. Um, I like a, a reference point. Like Darren uses some video games sometimes just to create the, the very, very loose wireframe of what his character's going to be. And I do the same sort of thought process. So I was sitting there and I was just staring at the screen. And I started typing out some words and um, nothing was kind of stringing together. Uh, I had the TV on next to me at the time and it was Rocky. Um, oh, Rocky 4 playing. Or is it Rocky 3? Oh, I'm don't... guessing which, whichever one has Drago in it. Yeah, don't don't kill me in the comments. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Rocky Three yeah. actually, and yeah, uh, yeah you had uh, Rocky versus Drago, and I was like, hmm, Drago. Drago is a pretty cool name, and the the reason why I went Dragonborn is I believe now, Will will be able to tell me on this, but I believe with uh, with the five E content, Dragonborns are a new species allowed to be played. Now, am I right or wrong on that? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, they they they've sort of been the whole idea of Dragonborn have been in the law of D and D for a while, but certainly they weren't in um, three or three point five. So they're a relatively new thing, for, certainly from my point of view. But they've they've existed in the law of it, but they yeah. get called in, in different things of Dungeons things. They get called different things, but certainly they were a bigger thing. They're um, they're definitely one of the um, uh, official races that are stapled in 5e because they're the off the bat races they put in the players well yeah they're, they're in the players they're handbook, one of them so like if, if you look yeah. back at like there's some books like 30 years ago where they're they're written by a group of people who actually wrote a series of books mm-hmm. based on a set of on D sessions and they're called draconians um and essentially mm-hmm. they're hatched out of uh, out of dragon's eggs and turned into people but yeah so certainly 5e is the one where they really came to front, especially being in the player's handbook. Yeah, well, it, they seem to be fairly new in the whole lore of things. For me, anyway, the whole thing was new, but it was I gravitated towards the characters that seemed to be new, and the Dragonborn seemed to be like, yeah, yeah. you know, a new sort of thing in 5e. So I was like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense because I'm new to D&D as a whole. Plus, the idea of playing a Dragonborn um, is pretty damn dope. And then I, I didn't make the link between the word dragon and drop the N if you got Drago. All I did was look mm-hmm. at the film next to me. It was Drago. I was like, Drago is a fucking strong name. Dragonborn. He'd make a great dragon. And then this image materialized in my head of this long, strong lizard type character. He's like a giant statue of like seven and a bit feet tall, big muscles. And I was like, well, there's, there's only one. I was reading through the classes and I, I, I'm not... Maybe one day, but to set up to play a wizard, I feel like to make that work, you need to know a lot about spells, and that's a lot more work. And at the time, I didn't really... I, I wanted to like D&D, but I didn't know how much I'd fall into it. And so I wanted something kind of light um, content-wise, so it just seemed to be smash and hit hard with a sword. I was like, well, okay, Barbarian naturally seems like the class for me. And then Drago just kind of started to materialise in my head. So it started with that one image of this um, big, huge lizard-like dragonborn um, who who was just strong and likes hitting things. And then I was like, I really need a backstory to work on. And I just sat there and I put um, Drago came from a small family of dragonborns. And from there, this... It all just kind of uh, materialized in my mind's eye of this small, small town. Like, 
it's to me dragonborns aren't really a race that people gravitate towards to get to know so i was like well i'm going to take that concept in my head true or not i don't know in the law of things but in my mind that seems to be a working concept that dragonborns are kind of like on the fringes of society so i took that cohort of drago's family which just involved i was like uh he didn't seem like a happy family so it's just going to be him and his brother his dad you won't know much about where he came from because it just it it seemed like a broken family to begin with and that's like a good place to start for me um because i i think all good um stories come from conflict so i just started from a conflicted point a place um that never gets resolved we don't know anything about how Drago came into this world, his mother or anything like that. Um, but we start with his broken family already and it's on the fringe of society. So maybe this society that he finds himself in, they've uh, learned to accept uh, Dragonborns and what would what would make someone accept something that they didn't really like at first. And it's as if that Dragonborn was solving problems. So all of a sudden this story in my mind came up of this small little town on the fringe of society that would get raided by um, enemies uh, like Cobalts and stuff like that. And it was up to Drago and his family to um, basically service the town and keep them safe. And in, in on the flip side of that, the town allowed them to live there um, without any issues, without any judgments or anything like that. Um, and I was like, that sounds like a really staple background. So the key pillars in Drago's life is is his dad and his brother. What happens if we take his dad away? And that's where that kind of came. And I just all wrote this out in one night and it was uh, it just all played out in my head. I just kind of saw it happen before my eyes without really thinking about it. I saw a dark, a stormy night and Drago being battle proud. That is a whole family being battle proud. And... Um, I just saw in my mind's eye Drago's father just kind of going off into the shadows and, and uh, Drago either being um, uh, KO'd or too overwhelmed to find him during the fight. And then once the fight is over, like think uh, the clouds are gone and the rain had dissipated. There's nothing left of um, Drago's father Dengon other than the sword on his ground. And I was like, well, if the sword is the only source of his father he had left we make that sword into something amazing and so all of a sudden dengon uh dengon's sword became a another plot hook for me i was just like well what do i know about anything god related i was like bahamut because of final fancy so i a quick google was like oh bahamut is part of the world of dnd so i'll just go okay dengon's a proud dragonborn and his sword is has mythical tendencies and he never went anywhere without it and the story and because i don't know much about it i was just like uh the the story told on this sword is that it was once owned by bahamut himself and and it just kind of all came kind of naturally to me during that one night and then i ended up started after like half 10 and it was i looked at the clock and it was like 1 a.m and i uh, that's when i sent you that you know huge backstory mark on uh on drago and all of a sudden i went from going not really sure who i should play or what i should do to really invested in this character and and it's only ever grown from there it's um Dra- worth, it's worth adding to this about like um when we talk about how you get players to hand themselves in and go to jail mark took the key points from my backstory and ian's backstory and went okay how how could i convince some of these guys to willingly give themselves up robin was well we've got someone from his family imprisoned and if you don't give yourself up 
we could hurt them. And I think with Drago, it was the promise of information on his sword, wasn't it? And it was, mm. okay, all of a sudden you play to their bonds, the things that bond the characters to what's important to them. And it's mm. like, yep, I give, you know, we were the two who gave ourselves up. I think the rest managed to escape, didn't they? But um, so again, a great thing there about, I think that communal thing that you find is a DM who can take a player's backstory and go, okay, if I need to manipulate them or if I need something to happen, I've got the ammunition to do that, if that makes sense. I know what I can, I know what I can pull at to get things to go a certain way, mm. which I think is really, really clever to to have to to have that communal build before you start playing a campaign. Because you give the DM, who's really like a neutral referee in it all, just something to go, okay. Um and I think you sometimes have to be kind to a DM and go, well, they that they're writing the story to go a certain way while still the DMs allowing the autonomy of the players to make the choice. But if a DM's got the bonds for the characters, then you're golden because you can always probably guarantee if characters are that well realized, they'll the the people playing the characters will gravitate towards fulfilling the bonds, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And on top of that, I think just to add that it's all very well and good having the backstories, but like you said about pulling on those emotive strings the you need the players to be able to go ah, i see what you're doing but he totally or she they would totally go for that or they would totally do this and really subscribe to that uh, rp nature of it because it's very easy to write an amazing backstory and ian i found yours actually drago is easily angered he has little or no regard in pursuing things that do not benefit himself incredibly self-reliant and well with others was your opening line which is hilarious given where you are at the moment i know but, you know, isn't it I, I just, the whole time you were talking, I was just scrolling up on our Facebook chat to find it. God, we talk a lot of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I finally found it. And it is, it's, it is chunky. And I read it. And the thing is, just reading over I want to do it with everyone, really. But reading over it, I mean, he's changed. But you, you played him to the mark. Like, you could read this and go, yeah, 100%. That's the character you've played. Which is really important to, you know... The, the the players not to change the characters halfway through for no reason and, and just develop with time and especially with Drago with all the characters really every single one even Helena and Karstan right down the line you're already starting to that's what I love about the game develop your characters based on the experiences within the game not just on the backstory based on things that happen in the game so Karstan being banished the way that has affected him um, and the way that will play out over who knows how many sessions is great also, given the fact that he talks about banishment early in another episode, you know, it's just these these nice motifs that come back to visit and how that develops characters. It just feels more real and grounded and just just a lot of fun. I just love it. I have a question that I would like to ask a member of this conversation because they're the only character who's in theory been through this. So Callum, listeners yes. only got, got to meet Shadar for a bit because obviously he, he died. Um, what was it like to, um, which by the way, I think it's worth pointing out that was totally not planned. It wasn't Callum was bored of Shadar and, and wanted to, to roll a new character. Oh no. He, he, he died in game and that shot was real. But what was it like to handle character death? Um, and what, what was that process? Um, just before you uh, talk about that, what was your inspiration for Shadar first? If you want to talk about why Shadar came to be and then how you lost him, uh, that would be quite quite cool because i don't actually know how you thought about shader I, yeah. I always knew about robin and in some aspects where althea came from but actually shader i don't have a bloody clue how you thought about him no um i mean it's kind of breaking my heart a little bit uh talking about his death again it's, uh, <laughs> it's still uh, to me a little bit um 
Shadar basically came from Gimli. He was dwarf, barbarian, noble blood, um, that kind of thing. And I love the whole attitude to it. I felt there was a lot of freedom into how you could kind of actually play Shadar. But, I mean, the reason for the barbarian is very similar to um, Ian's with his Drago thing. In our very first session, I played a tiefling warlock because I just loved the idea of magic mm. um, in every aspect of things. And then as a completely new player to this, looking at spells and trying to figure out how they actually work in like your first session is so goddamn overwhelming when you try and do it by yourselves. And I thought to myself, you know what, just for now, I, I just want a class I can kill things with. Let's keep it simple. Um, and Barbarian just screamed out to me because everything was kind of automatic to it. And then I thought, okay, so I've got the fighting style. That's the fighting style almost came second to the actual character uh, more than anything else for me. Um, and it's very simple. And obviously working with Mark uh, a lot of it because I'm not, I wasn't at the time anyway, very much of a creative soul when it came to D and D related things. But he helped just build uh, a bit of a character and a backstory because I think my first um, conversation with Mark uh, over text. Shadow's backstory is about th- two or three sentences. I've got and it that here. That was about actually. it. I've managed to find it. He's a noble dwarf who first quested to earn his rightful place in his family, then realized he had more fun questing and drinking, so he stuck with it, <laughs> uh, always making sure he helps the common folk on occasion to ensure his family hears of his good deeds. I think you stuck solidly to that as a, as a character anyway. But yeah, off the back of that, sorry, we did we did end up... I've just seen now uh, we had a couple of letters. I, hmm. I pretended to play your sister and yeah. sent you some I letters mean, regarding he, events that were going to happen. He definitely had uh, the family... Um... And obviously, noble blood. I mean, you made him quite high up in regards to nobility, um, more than anything else. Um, with obviously, I can't ask what was the name of the city actually? Verndon, Vaughan, Vaughan. I was close. Um, <laughs> it was actually <laughs> in the um, royal bloodline four. Um, so obviously, you, you moved him up the uh, ladder on that quite a lot, uh, more than I ever would have possibly done it, but uh, yeah, obviously. Word of advice for anybody who's listening, if you're just thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons, never be afraid to go to your DM in regards to helping you build your character and get something with them because they want to work with you as much as you want to make a good character and work with them. Um, Always listen to your DM. It's very, very good. Um, Totally agree with that. And also draw on things that you love, like any characters in cinema history that you love. You Um, just use them as bases. Me, like a lot of the people in this podcast i believe are quite large fans believe it or not of lord of the rings and Gimli <laughs> is just an absolute character a diamond of a character that i love uh in that he's one of my favorites and uh yeah he was a big source of inspiration for shadar definitely it's worth um, uh it's worth adding at this point that at, at, like for like the first six well actually until shadar left like Mark and we, we just didn't need part three of the player's handbook. It was like, there's the bit on magic. Don't need that because it's a monk, <laughs> a fighter and two barbarians. It was. Yeah. How did you feel about losing Shadar then after all of that work and effort and time building that character? You were with him quite a while. It was quite a while. Um, not Is just this like another five, episode just... to talk about Shadar's death? Or have you, can you, I was going to say, do you feel like, you know, do you want to do him justice by having a, a separate conversation and just going, how'd that felt? I can I can sum it up quite easily in I all like fairness it. because you go through 
very similar feelings when you actually lose your D&D character to actually losing somebody who you know. Um, I know that's, that might sound a bit of extreme, but uh, I'm not saying the two are comparable by any means. I will just point that no, out. No, I get you. I don't think anyone but would uh, uh, When it first happened, because it was not planned, because it is a genuine death that happened in D&D, I, I was in denial. Hmm. I mean, I honestly God thought, oh, no, no, he's it, not. DM's not killed him off. He's probably just some kind of weird uh, thing where he's been moved over there and the party finds out and they have to go and find him and rescue him and whatnot. And then when the um, session actually ended and Mark says, okay, so what are you going to be doing going forward? I'm like, oh, shit, you've actually killed him. Oh, wow. Um, literally, my throat just kind of went and closed up on myself because I thought, oh, shit, he's dead. And keep in mind, this is probably after I spent 30, 40 quid dropping on like full of themed <laughs> dice and figurines and a dwarven <laughs> chest to carry everything in. I'm like, oh my God, you bastard. I think it's with... also worth noting that Callum was the only one of us to paint his miniature. Like the rest of us, we had yeah. miniatures, but at the time we hadn't bothered painting them. Callum had mounted for him onto like a little plinth. He was painted and yeah. I, I, I was well into D&D with Shadar yeah. and I absolutely yeah. loved the character, even though he wasn't very well yeah. uh, outspoken at the time i was gonna say uh, that in some ways that kind of added the the drama towards it because usually in in stories in a storyboard sense it's the louder character um that gets gets it in the neck first because it, it cuts the head of the party off or adds more dramatic effect so the fact that shadar who was the quieter one of the group at the time uh mm. it happened to him in in such a surprising unexpected moment brutal it was brutal way to kill someone whose whose actual nature was inherently good as well like shadow mm. didn't have the conflict of um of drago or the wrongdoings of robin or the yeah. um the the pure rich history of elthir it it, it, it was just he was probably the most relatable character in that podcast uh in those episodes and uh yeah just fucking died <laughs> well Mark, something um, that, gone down yeah Mark, i've got a question just on that because it was that was quite an intense fight we were all a bit worse for aware disintegration ray could have hit any of us like hmm. any one of us could have died in that fight was was, was it random that it was shadar or was hmm. there any logic to the fact that it was shadar if you're willing to share that yeah of course um it's a good question the impetus i go the, the way again i read a lot online about hmm. how, how to kind of play as dm play the baddies and the way i never liked baddies being played was how i played them early on which was i hit you till i die mm -hmm. and then i die and then i move on whereas actually you should with anybody you play them self-preservation for self-preservation and to strike the things that you think is the most danger to you if you remember the 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 last attack that shadar did to that creature was an unholy amount of damage i think you you action surged or something frenzy. on the uh, frenzy. You did everything yeah. and you, you rolled the most damage you'd ever rolled. And just before that, and through that fight, the, the rule I had with that character, that, that baddie was he's going to attack the highest risk character to him. Hmm. Ultimately thinking it was most likely going to be someone like Robin or perhaps Drago. Given the damage output, I was basically going off DPS. Who's the highest DPS? That's the character he'll go, right, I've got to kill you off first. Um, and my experience with uh, Disintegration Rays 
normally don't particularly go very well we've had many zombie beholders that don't do you know didn't work particularly well either um so yeah it was it was just purely off that and it was purely by chance that callum you rolled so damn well on that that <laughs> round which meant that it was you that was there and you were below a certain which means that you know reddit reading off the rules for the disintegration ray you're you're you go and it was a really hard decision because you you want to give people that time as a dm you want to give people that time to do a quick goodbye but because it was in combat and because mm-hmm. the nature of the death it is disintegration if it was just you you've been reduced to zero hit points and then your hit points below and you you, you fail your death saving throws i can make you hang on for a bit before you uh but you know end the combat come back to you have those last final words um and then and then pass away but with a disintegration ray, it's it's fast moving, it's quick, it's to dust, it's it's instantaneous almost. So mm. I didn't really have much artistic license to kind of slow it down per se. And I'm not gonna lie, I was in shock also that this was it. I remember I think I I paused. You I think we cut. You I didn't really I, I, believe you'd done it, did you? Yeah. No, and I, I think I whispered to myself, "I've got to do it" or something like that. And I remember, Will, you, you, one hundred percent, yeah, that, and also one hundred percent saves my ass a lot of the time when it comes to the rules of D anD D. And I appreciate you to no end for that, all of you. But um, I think at that point, you went, "Do you want me to help?" I was like, "No, just," and I snapped you a little bit because I was, I realized what had just happened and realized what I now had to describe, and realized that I didn't want it to happen as much as. As that you know, anyone else around the table didn't want to happen, and that moment there, um, early on in in us recording the podcast, solidified for me how amazing this 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 game is, and how how invested you all were, looking at you all, just kind of glass eyed, staring at me, or looking down, just kind of taking this in, was like shit. This is this is you know this is storytelling. And I think um, coming back to that, you say about investment, like on a meta level. If you know Beholders, you know that they're a loaded gun. That disintegration rave, it drops you to zero hit points. That's it. You're finished. And I know that on a meta level, because like you said, I, I, I love the rules. I DM myself. But I was so invested that I'd forgotten all about the disintegration rave. Um, and when it, there's that pure moment of horror, which I think hit Will first, where like you said, he processed what was going on. Shit, mm. hit by disintegration rate. But I think that's the thing about that must have been nice as a DM as well to know, to know that you were sitting on that loaded gun of any one of these. If they get hit with this disintegration ray and they're dropped to zero hit points, that's it. No saving throws. They're they're gone. Yeah. And I I just think there's something. The more I think back about that, the kind of at table tension because I was so busy just RPing at the time. It was like Meta Darren had completely like not clocked that we were having disintegration rays thrown at us. So. It I do is, think it's yeah. a really, really big advantage, in my mm. perspective anyway, not knowing a lot about mm. the enemies. Yeah, I, I was going to say, was me and you the same. came out of the blue mm. massively for me. I know kind of of Beholders, but for their attacks, attacks mm. that they can do and all this kind of stuff, I only know little bits of the lore itself, but the fact that somebody has an attack like that that can just finish me in one hit, something I never even thought was going to happen. And it's quite interesting how you say it was done on, obviously, DPS towards a certain character, um, because I haven't actually mentioned this uh, before to Ian, I think. Um, But I was working... For people who uh, listened to the previous episodes, Drago and Shadar had a nice little bit of uh, uh, competitiveness going on between them that oh. always push themselves up and Shadar what massively was your, What was your line um, before you go into this story? 
what was Jargo. what was your final line that you came up with that just like solidified like a brotherhood the starting of a brotherhood you know um, when did we just become best friends that kind of thing you said something that what what i said was um because we were arguing in the hallway i think um and then Elfie said something about, shall we just get on with it? And I said, it's just a bit of barbarian banter. Yeah, barbarian banter, um, that was it. And I was just like, oh, on. he's my brother. Sorry, carry on what were you going to say. And I, I just remember, you just, you, as you were talking about the, that um, that beginnings of a bond, I just remembered you said something, barbarian banter, which I haven't since repeated. Um, oh, man, that was amazing. Carry on. I, I, I loved it, but I was working away to a point with Shadar because he massively admired Drago uh, and his fighting capabilities with... Shadar's upbringing never really took fighting too seriously. He could do, but he never took it serious because if in a battle, when he's ruler, he was going to be commanding people. So he'd always thought about it logically. And when he was doing that fight, it was Shadar was trying to emulate Drago's attitude towards battling and just going at it whole hog as oh, he does, rather than holding back and looking at things a little bit logically. <laughs> So oh, no. his attempt to emulate Drago <laughs> in the end actually did get him killed. Um, I'm not right. that what part, the hell are you doing? This El- kind of thing to say yeah. now. You just um, you yeah. just validated Elthea's entire <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, it I wasn't was right done. Drago didn't kill <laughs> Shadar at all. Shadar died fighting in the way he enjoyed. Drago did it. <laughs> Drago did not do it, and we got folly, uh, which we're all which we're all thrilled about. I think folly. I think yeah. folly is us, a whole other story. I think for and all of us, it became um, it became very real uh, at that mm-hmm. point. I think it's safe to say that there is there's a great turning point for that. And, and also, more than anything, it, sorry to interrupt, it, but yeah. it also just brings about that sense of of more more um, mortality to the pod to, to the to us as a group as well, because up until that point. Yeah, you take some damage. Yeah, you go down. Yeah, you do some death saving throws. Well, it's fine. But the actual real realization that no, you've got to make a fully new character. You can no longer play that character. Is very final, and that that brings in that that in pushes us all and engrosses us all uh, into it even more. I just look back over some of my notes, I, and I, I've got them all here on this one notepad. And I've in the episode with the boats when we're going to Vaughan, I um. I did some drawings because I wasn't doing anything. You guys were just RPing as you do so eloquently. And I just did some really awful drawings and wrote down a quote that Shadar said. Um, well, there's two things here. Firstly, on one page, it says top of the round Shadar, which I wrote down with a date because I think that never happened. never happens. And then I also wrote down names are meaningless. They cause reputation, which is something you said, uh, Callum, as Shadar, which I obviously really liked because I wrote that down. I think it's something you told Tali, maybe. Um, I think I said it to the party because they were trying to name the party. And I says, um, it was more to do that if we have a name, then that name can gain reputation um, in regards to being good or bad. And it's something that Shadar didn't want. Um, And that's why, listeners, the party doesn't have a name (laughs) 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 and still doesn't, which gets awkward sometimes. But Mm. uh, Callum does have a a per chance for coming up with these great one-liners. And that is something that's carried on with Folly, which is great to see. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to wrap it up here, guys. I uh, hope you all enjoyed this Fellowship of the Tavern. 
I'm going to hey. name them. Hey, I like that. Um, and next time we'll go through the origins of the name and then some more backstory and stuff. I really hope you enjoyed listening to um, some of our origin stories. We have a few more to get through. Thankfully, we had Claude join us and Helena join us as well to add spice to the party. Obviously, we lost Elthir and gained a cast and as well. So uh, plenty more and stories to come. And of course, Callum comes back with Folly. Uh, <laughs> until next time, guys. Oh, well, should I do the Twitter thing? We don't need the Twitter thing, do we? I mean, you nah, could. We've all got Twitters. Yeah, follow no, it on the episode. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you've you probably found us from the actual podcast themselves. Um, plug for the podcast on Twitter, which is at Fellowship Table. Until next time, guys. Well, cheers. Farewell. Farewell. Cheers. Farewell. Cheers. Farewell. cheers.